Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel prompted in the Holy Ghost to tell you this. I've stood behind here a few times and... Normally I know, I feel in my spirit what God wants me to say, but this time I just couldn't get it. It seemed like everything I read, it just wouldn't gel with me. And I just, I had something that I, I do want to speak of in the future, but I can't get a release from it to the point I was getting alarmed. And I just feel like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I say? And I just feel like I was always questioning my own self. And then God said, go to John 4. And I, I don't say it, but in my spirit I said, John 4. How many times has this woman been talked about? So I followed the Lord. And I'm telling you, the reason I'm telling you this, because I want to talk about worship. And I want with the Holy Ghost to deliver to you what God has given to me. And because what God has just done is why I'm telling you this. It's because I want to speak as thus saith the Lord. I want to follow His anointing. And I want to speak as He would have me to speak. So what I want us to do, let's pray. Let's ask God to anoint everything that we do. And everything that is going on in the back. Everything that will go on the rest of the day. Let's pray. God, we love You and we thank You. Father, I thank You that You're already here, Lord God. We asked You from the very beginning, Lord God. We thank You, Lord Jesus. Anoint our minds, Lord God, I pray. Touch us this day, Lord God. I need you, God. I need you, Lord God. I know, God, you have a plan and a purpose, Lord God. Touch us, Lord God. Let your strength, let your anointing, Lord God, dwell upon us, Lord God, and move and minister, Lord God. For I know that it is thus saith the Lord. It's going to touch us, Lord God, and anoint us, Lord God, and minister, Lord God. Have your way, Lord God, to stay and rule and reign, God, in our heart. For it is your word that's going to bring us life and strength and hope, Lord God, I pray. I thank you this day, Lord God. I love you and I praise you. Thank you for what you're going to do. For it is your word that is the life that brings just the refreshment to our soul, Lord God. I praise you. And I thank you, Lord God. I thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. This woman, I, I, I will tell you this in beginning. In, in parts of this, I'm going to be point blank. But I'm in an apostolic church speaking to apostolic people. We are called by the name. We are covered by the blood of the Lamb. 
Hallelujah. So I'm making no excuses. I do not want to be crude and I do not want to be calloused. But I do want to speak as I feel the Lord has given to me. I, I, there again, I say this and I, it is, you know me, I have never just on purpose tried to be rude or offensive and I do not mean to be that way today. So that's my disclaimer. Now this woman, she, she comes to the Lord. But believe it or not, this story starts a long time ago. So I'm going to read, or I'll go back. I'll just start here. In 720 B.C., Assyria invaded the northern kingdom of Israel. That is the ten tribes. What they did, the king of Assyria, now listen to me, he took people from five different territories. And what he did, he placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel, and they possessed and dwelt in Samaria in the cities thereof instead of the children of Israel. You can read of this in Second Kings 17. Now what he did after he took, the Bible says mostly of the men, the good men, and he brought men back. What this is is the mixing of the bloodline. That God has went, he, he called the Jews out. He said, not because you was the most people. I chose you because I wanted to, because I'm sovereign. I chose you as a bloodline. Rahab, brother boy spoke of her Wednesday night. The bloodline started with her. He chose her. And these were idolaters that the king of Assyria seated in the cities of Samaria. Now they took, they served their own gods. And you can read also in Second Kings where God got fed up with it. The Bible says that God sent lions among them and slew some of them. And what he done, look in, if you have it, Second Kings 17.32. This is where it got so bad that, well, even before that, what they did. Now this is what they did. Of the five territories, what they did from each territory, what what he did with them, they brought the gods of their territory with them into the cities of which they went with them. So there was gods of five different nations that was brought to the city of the one true God. And what they did, they brought every one of their own, and every nation dwelt in the cities wherein they dwelt. So in verse 32, it got so bad that, that... they said, look, we have to do something. We have to be taught to fear the Lord God, speaking of Jehovah. So they took one of the priests whom they had took captive and brought him back and said, let's teach these people how to fear the Lord. So before that, it says the Bible says they were so arrogant in 32 that they feared the Lord and made unto themselves of the lowest of the men of the priests of high places which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. Now, I ain't referring to the priests that they brought back. This is what they did. You want to be a priest to me? Fine. It don't matter who you are, what your qualifications is, if you are the tribe of Levi. That doesn't matter. You want to be a priest? You have the job. It doesn't matter to me. We just, we're just invading this land. We're bringing our idolatrous God with us. And that's what we're doing in the cities of Samaria. Now, they took 41 sums it up. It says, now, these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers, so they do unto this day. Now, if that's not where we're at in America, I don't know where we are. So these nations fear the Lord. I go to church, I serve God, but I am not giving up my graven image. 
I am okay. I can do what I want, but I will fear the Lord. I go to church. I fear God, but you are not telling me what to do. I've said, and I'll always say, we're not telling nobody what to do. Thus saith the Lord is what He is the one that gives a benchmark. We make no benchmark. The Word of God is what defines a benchmark. We would be pharisaical. We would be hypocritical if we stood up here and said, I'm telling you what to do. We tell no one what to do. Thus saith the Lord is the one that defines a benchmark. And that's what they said. They feared the Lord. Well, we go to church. We go to the temple. But we will serve the God in whom we brought with us. We ain't giving up our graven images. This is what happened. This is where it started in the city of Samaria. So that is the little bit of history of what this woman was dealing with. Now, what set me over the edge is when I see people, pastors, that get up and say, we all worship the same way. No, we don't worship the same way. It is this come as you are. Now, unless lest I be misunderstood, I am not referring to dress. What I'm referring to is the mindset. Come as you are. It don't matter what you believe, what you think. There's one uh, TV personality said, "There's many paths to God." Not according to this. There's one path to God. One path to God. And just come as you are. Believe what you want to believe. We're inter, uh, interdenominational. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, what you believe. Come, we'll all worship. We'll all go home. And we'll all say that we fear the Lord. And everybody takes their graven image home when they go. There's no Bible to that. That is appeasing the flesh of humanity. That will send you to the devil's hell. And get what I said, the devil's hell. It was not created for humanity. It was created for Satan. It was not created for humanity. It was created for the devil and his angels. The Bible does not say it was created for humanity. That is false doctrine. And through the lust of the flesh, it is just appealing to our lust. It is because it is just appealing to there. Now, we are told there are no absolutes. What planet are they living on? God hasn't changed His mind about nothing. Nothing. This Word is true. I will not change my mind. He's not going to do it. It says I'm under grace and grace covered it all. You don't understand. You have turned grace into disgrace. You've just pushed it to the limit. And God ain't going to take it. This Bible says, Take heed that no man deceive you. Why? Because of this. They sit there, allow themselves to be rocked to sleep because they will not look into the perfect law of liberty to see what is being preached to them is the truth. That is why they're going to go to the devil's hell. Because they allow themselves to be sit there and preached to. And you know what? That sounds good. They're tickling my ears. So they may, I got faith in them. The best compliment I ever gave to our pastor and his wife is that I found his footprints here. Now, here's the other side of the coin. You know why I found them there? It's because I was looking. I'm telling you, what he preaches to me, I'm going to look for. And here is a, a whole country of people that will not look into here that what they're being preached to is the Word of God, is the truth. God said that's what you must do. 
what I send my prophets to you, the, what they preach to you, it is responsible to you. If you allow yourself to be deceived and you allow yourself to be preached to, God will still hold you accountable because you did not pick up this word for yourself and you allowed yourself to go to a devil's hell. That is truth. That is truth. You must see what you're being told is the truth. That is truth. Believe it or not. All right. Now, let's go to John 4 with me. And we'll stay there. Now, we get to the woman. Jesus takes in John 4. He goes to this lady. He said he must needs go through Samaria. Now, he takes... We'll start in verse 4. He said, and he must needs go through Samaria. And I believe that is why. Because of the little bit of history. All this, all this chaos started. It's just the seeding, the mixing of the bloodline. We're there, we're there. There's so many lines that's been blurred today. America, there's just, there's just, all they'll stick to is the pastors that's just out to rob people. That's why I don't go to church. Look at him. Look at the money he makes. Look at the lies that he tells. Well, they can, they can spew all the mud they want to. It does not change the truth. It's God's word and it is truth. So he says, then, then he cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman unto him, also Mary, to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Now, when John began, he tells us from the very beginning, the Word was made flesh. Here we literally see that happening. We always look from a spiritual point of view, but here is a fleshly point of view. Jesus said, and he said, in his, therefore being weary, his flesh was weary. He was tired. It's being the sixth hour, which I suppose is 12 o'clock to them, it was hot. The woman was there. We know this woman by apparently her reputation. She comes in the middle of the day when no one else is going to be there. And what shocked her to death is here is a Jew asking her, for a cup of water. I would think she would be even shocked that Jesus would drink out of the same cup that she drunk out of. And Jesus asked her for a drink. So I'm sure she's just trying to process all of this. How is it that you would ask me for something to drink? You would ask of me for a cup of water? Jesus being weary. It gives us hope. It's hot. You go through trials and it's hot and you're tired and you're weary. Pick up your head. Our God Himself has been there. We got proof of it. God was weary. He sat down. Said in the middle of the day He's by Himself. But yet He chose to, I think, to reveal a revelation like there's never been to this woman. And He takes the time to stop and talk to her and minister to her. And he tells her, Now look at nine. This is the woman of Samaria to him. How is it thou being a Jew? Asked of me, as to drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now according to the law, according to the law, the letter of the law, Jesus shouldn't even been talking to her. Shouldn't have had no dealings with her. 
Now, in the Bible, where that, in that ninth verse where it says, For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Friend, they meant it. That word dealings right there, that's used one time in the Bible. The contention between the Jews and the Samaritans. Friend, they passed on the other side of the street. When they was going from one town to another, they'd go around Samaria. They didn't want no dealings at all. They dis, I'll put it this way. If the Jews disliked anyone more than the Gentiles, it was the Samaritans. Because this sounds crude, but they referred to them as a mixed race of people. It was the mixing of the bloodlines. And they could not tolerate that. They did not want them. They just despised them. So when Jesus asked of her, she just couldn't believe it. She just couldn't believe it. That's why they told him, look, you have no dealings with me. You're not only talking to me. You're asking of me for a drink of water. But Jesus took the time to do that. Verse 10. He said, if thou knewest... And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, I'm going to stop right there. If thou knewest the gift of God, if you knew, if you knew, now, if you knew, okay. If someone hadn't took it out of my Bible, I'll find it. Jesus tells her, now, I told you that they... They invaded in 720 B.C. And when the king took all of these people and seated them in Samaria. Fifteen years before that. Before that. God anointed his prophet. And he said, I want you to pin some words down. And this is what I want you to say. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. How much plainer can it get? For the first time in Scripture, for the first time, we hear that God is going to robe himself in flesh and that he will become a son. For the first time we find out this is what God. And God not only said that. He said for the Lord himself. He said Jehovah is telling you this. That I will wrap myself in flesh. And I will come into this world. And I will be with you. Because my name will be Emmanuel. Meaning God with us. And it's not this trying to figure out which God it is. It is Jehovah. I will put myself in flesh and I will walk among you if thou knewest the gift of God. Here she is in Samaria. She's been around all these idols and idolatry and God is telling her, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God, then he tells her, he tells the prophet, he said this, he said, and I'll read one more and then I'll go. For unto us a child is born Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Them is just some of his titles 
that he would be called. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So God is just clearing this up. Fifteen years, in 735 B.C., God is saying, before all this chaos happens, I'm going to come, and I'm going to meet with this woman, and I'm going to explain all of this that's going to happen. So he tells her, he said, if you knew the gift of God, and listen, and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, then thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now, God does this all the time. He knows us, for he created us. He will speak in natural terms to make a spiritual point. She is there to draw water. So God speaks to a natural term, speaking of water, speaking of how it quenches this body. But God says, you know what? I'm here not to quench your thirst I'm here to quench what you've been looking for. Not just to just satisfy you for 30 minutes. I'm here to satisfy something in you that you've been looking for a long, long time. I would, and if you only knew the gift of God that you have been missing, then you would not, I'm asking you for something, but you would in return, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask of me. So he's telling her that. You would ask of me. So he tells her this. And then... He tells her, and in 4.10, it's, I say, in 4.10, it's important to whom Jesus told. And why I believe it's so important, it was because he's revealing this to her, simply because she is a non-Jew. God has said, for salvation, he reads it later, salvation is of the Jews or from the Jews. So God is saying, now that I've come, now that I've inhabited a body, this is no longer about Jews only. This is about to whosoever will. So that's why I think it was so important that he's revealing it to a non-Jew. So that's why I believe. Now, let's jump down. I'm skipping the part that... I'm skipping a lot of this because I know you're familiar with the story. I'm going to 19, but before I go... I just want to throw this in. I found it unique because Jesus tells her, go, go tell your husband to come here. So she said, I can't. And Jesus is just filling her out, I believe. So she tells him. And she was truthful. I've had five. And Jesus said, you know, you've told the truth. But what I found unique is the king of Assyria took five cities with five different gods and invaded. So God said, if you knew the gift of God, you've tried all the other images. You've tried their graven images. And you're still looking because you're on number six. I'm just throwing this out there. She went through five. He said, the one you have is not your husband." said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, because I am standing right in front of you, and she was honest with him, then you would ask of me, because you are searching for something that you're not going to find in graven images. You've went through five, 
You've went through all of them. He took five different. They all took their graven images there. You've went through them. You've done. You've tried. You've, you've went through them all. But yet, take the one that's standing right in front of you. Because what I can give you, you will cast every other away. It is the God that can give you living water that you will never thirst again. And God is telling her, if you just knew the gift of God, that's why I say it is up to us to search out the truth of this word. Because if we just knew the gift of God, and it is for the searching, because it is what is preached to us, what is taught to us, but it does not end there. He is the one that leads and guides and directs us. But don't go home and think it is shut off there. Because God said, if you knew the gift of God, and she said, I've had five, and I believe God is just saying, you've tried them all, you went through every graven image, but don't stop there. Because right now, right now, is the one standing in front of you that counts. So that's just, that's just me. Alright, let's go to 19. So she takes, and she says, uh, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She's getting close. And then he says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. And listen to this. Worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We. And then he says, We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews or from the Jews. Now, Believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. She was making it about a location. And God said, it's, from this point, it's not about a location. It's about a spiritual experience. And what I want to do, I just want to use this for an example. Because, and the reason being, it's because of the time that we are in. Is I told Brother Boyd Wednesday night, when he spoke of Abraham, God's word don't change. It don't matter what the year is or what's happening. But Abraham was 75 years old. And God told him to leave. And I've always joked and said that God taught him to go out there and take the GPS off the camel. I will tell you where to go. He was 75. And he told him right then. He said, I will make a great nation of you. But the blood covenant was going to be with Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. So he goes out. Now, when you read and try to determine the age of Isaac when he was sacrificed, the age varies. It is just rampant all over the place. So, just for example's sake, I will use 25. And I don't know. I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. I don't know. But as, as our pastor says, I've been honest up to this point. So, I will be, I will be honest from here on out. But... um. Okay, when Abraham took Isaac, God said to him, take thy son, thine only son. Now, my point is this. This is why you never can speed read the Bible. If someone just took and read that, you can read in the Bible where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that Abraham had two sons. Okay. But God told him, take your son, your only son, and go offer him upon the mount where I'll show you. Okay. I believe God was telling Abraham, you had a clear stream ahead of you, but you are the one that's muddied the water. I hadn't changed my mind. Take your son, your only son. And that's why I feel so many people has made worship about just juking and jiving and lights and just dancing and juking all over the place. God hadn't changed his mind. Worship is still worship according to this. God hadn't changed his mind on his word. It's still be ye holy for I am holy. America can blur the lines all it wants. God has not changed his mind. They can point finger at us and say we are the rule makers. We're not the rule makers. It's just, it's just something that is said against us. It's just something, but God has not changed his mind. And then it says that, she told him, our fathers worship in the mountain. And the mountain she's referring to is Mount Gerizim, I think is the name of it. But anyway, you can read of it in the Bible. Gerizim is the name of it. From where they was at in Jacob's well to the mountain she's referring to is eight miles. I looked that up. Eight miles is what I found out. So she's saying like this. Okay. And just, just to tell you this. In 402, from what I read, 402 B.C., Nehemiah. You can read where the um, Samaritans fought against them rebuilding the wall. And right after that, in 402, is when Nehemiah kicked out a man by the name of Manasseh with a priestly lineage, expelled him from Jerusalem. He went and actually was a, a giant hand in the building of the temple that she's referring to. So she says, we worship in this mountain, but you say Jerusalem is where. And that's what we hear. You know, we go to church. Y'all worship the way y'all want to, and we'll worship the way we want to. It does not matter what we say. It does not matter what they say. Thus saith the Lord is what matters. It's what worship is according to this is what matters. So she's, that is what we hear. You worship like you want to and we'll worship like we want to and everybody goes home happy. Okay, okay. That's what, it's just the tradition that's held her. That's what our fathers has taught us. That's what I have been taught. That's what the lady is telling him. This is what I've been taught. We go to the mountain, but you say, it's like she was telling the Lord, the Lord, you're the one in opposition. We have always been taught we go to the mountain. But you're saying that I should go to Jerusalem. But God has said, no. It's not about the location. It's about a spiritual experience. It is a spiritual experience. So that was... Now, he tells her in 23... Or 22, he said, Ye worship what you know what, for salvation is of the Jews. 22, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such 
to worship him. Now, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said unto him, I know that when the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus just plainly tells her. He saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So he tells her, literally, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, we hear that a lot. And all I'm going to do is just tell you, and it took me a long time to get to this point, but I'm going to tell you what I think that literally means. God is a spirit that will not change. God is a spirit. What he did, as he told us before, I will make myself a body. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the physical image of that spirit. That God inhabited the body of Jesus Christ. That he is the everlasting father. That is why he is telling this woman, you should worship the father. So when he says that you should worship them, that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit. So that is a small letter. So they say you should worship him with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength. That's what that means. Okay, I will go along with that to a point. They that worship him must worship him in spirit. Okay, I will go along with that to this point. I believe that you should raise your hands just as if you do anything for the Lord. You should express yourself. You should become involved in it. But I'm telling you, the Bible says one thing. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. There is no scripture that says let everything that hath breath worship the Lord. You won't find it. You will not find it. There's 2,461 verses in Psalms. The last one says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Now, I believe when it says God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship in spirit, is with that capital list, is through the Holy Ghost, through the regeneration of God said, that which went wrong in the garden, I'm going to take in return. I'm going to put the spirit of reconciliation back into my people. I'm going to give them the deposit of that which was removed so we get the Holy Ghost. I believe that's what it means when it says we are to worship Him in spirit. I believe that's taking our spirit, infusing our spirit. That's why I believe Jesus is telling her, this is not about a location. This is about a spiritual experience. So he's telling her, you need the spirit of God fused with your spirit because it becomes with the Holy Ghost. And then now to the truth. I believe truth is this. So he tells her, he says, you must worship in truth. Now, we know that Jesus Christ is the truth. That we do know. For the Bible tells us so. Now, he's taken. And God himself tells us. He said, I will not give my glory to another. So he takes. And this truth. Now. Let me find it. I want you to listen. I know you've heard these words before. But I want you to listen to these words. 
For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Did you catch the word for the prophecy? For the prophecy. Now, in the Old Testament, no prophecy was referred to as a revelation. God said, when I put myself in the flesh, Jesus Christ, from this point, will be known as a revelation. Go to the back of the book. What's the first thing it tells us? This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when you worship in truth, God's going to require two, or when, when you worship God in spirit and truth, He's going to require two things. One, it's got to be done in the Holy Ghost. And two, it's going to be through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, Satan and the mother of harlots has blinded America with this so bad. But I'm telling you, it is called a revelation. People say, well, I can't see that. It is their fault. They won't search it out. God said, if you have a hunger, if you are thirst after this, I will reveal to you. That is why it is referred to as a revelation. That is why I believe God is the truth. He said that is going to be the two requirements. I believe we must have a true conception of who our God is. When he said you must worship me in spirit and in truth... I believe that is required of us. We must do that. When uh, when everybody, when humanity gets together and said we had a worship session. Now, what I'm going to leave you with, and I'm ending. What I'm going to leave you with is this: is in verse uh, 23. If they would put 23, 4 and 23 back on the screen. And this is one thing that amazes me: the hour cometh, and now in when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Now, there's one word, or actually two words I want to draw your attention to. Look at the Bible where it says true worshipers. Now, that word worshipers is used one other time in Hebrews, but it's not the same in, he- it's not the same in Greek as it is here. This word is used one time from Matthew to Revelation. True worshipers. And God Himself is saying this. He's telling this woman, The hour cometh and now is. I'm in the flesh now. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father who is standing in front of you in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh. Now this is what almost got me. Why would the God that created it all need to seek for anything? I'm telling you, this world gets together and says we had a worship session. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. But God said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll have to seek for the worshipers. I didn't say that. God did. But I'm telling you. It's His Word. He says, you must have my Spirit, I believe, and you must have the revelation of who I am. Because that is all God wanted from the very beginning. He told Israel, when you was going through, don't look at them, 
don't have their images, don't look at their gods. I and I alone am enough for you. All God wanted is to realize that He was enough for Israel. And He said, the true worshipers, that is what I'm searching for. And that was my title, the searching. God is searching for the true worshipers. He is searching. So don't never think you come to church and you worshiped in vain because you don't have to wonder where he's at. He's looking for you. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.